Greetings and welcome to another different church podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I hope you're having an awesome day. I am recording this intro exactly one day too late. It is 12.30 a.m. Monday night slash Tuesday morning. Forgive me for not getting this out and in your hands on Monday like I try to do. Didn't happen, but hopefully one day is not too bad. Um, This is a really cool special message. This is uh, the first time that Tyler has ever been on stage. I'm really excited to get it in your hands. That's why I'm sad I didn't have it ready for you yesterday. Um, But it's here now. Um, Many of you may know Hannah had to have emergency surgery a week ago. And along with that came uh, miscarriage. And uh, I'm just really uh, sad, obviously, Um, heartbroken for her and for Josiah, Uh, but also at the same time, really proud of how the church has kind of rallied around and um, helped and just been there for her. And she was scheduled to speak this Sunday, but Tyler actually just kind of reached out and offered to speak for her. Uh, in case she needed some more time and i'm really proud of her for like admitting that she could use some more time and admitting that she could use some help and i'm super duper proud of tyler for stepping up and doing something that is not easy you're gonna hear him talk about how difficult it is to get up on stage and talk and uh, honestly he really crushed it so um i'm excited for you to hear this message uh before we jump in though I want to do something we haven't done in a while. I haven't really done a mix down of any of the music and we had a really cool, chill, mellow kind of vibe on Sunday. Um, We had Guiana playing acoustic guitar. We had Will on bass and then Seth brought his harp in and Matt played saxophone and then Natalie played drums. So we did a song that we, we do all the time, Sunday Best by Surfaces, but it just sounded really weird and cool and different. So I thought I would leave it in the uh, the podcast for you to hear. So that is playing right now. If you don't care about the song at all, just skip ahead like three minutes, four minutes, and uh, you'll hear from Tyler. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You're incredible. I hope you're having a great day. Feeling good, like I should. When in dark I walk around the neighborhood Feeling blessed, never stressed Got that sunshine on my Sunday bed Feeling good, like I should the challenge all you gotta do is leave it better than you found it it's gonna get difficult to stand but hold your balance i just say whatever cause there is no way about it everyone falls down sometimes you just gotta know it'll all be fine it's okay Yeah. 
out to Hannah the other day um, with the expectation that she would say no. And now I'm kind of stuck standing in front of all of you. Which, like, props to Hannah and everybody else that has done this before, um, because it's not easy. Um, So, like Hannah said, my name's Tyler. Um, My wife and I have been coming to different church for like eight or nine months or so. And it was one of those things where we came and we never left um, because we felt like this was the place that we were supposed to be. Um, I've been in St. Pete for about two years, um, a little over two years now. Um, I grew up in church going to a Nazarene church um, and was always really involved. Um, I was a Sunday school teacher while I was there. Um, I participated in this thing called quizzing, where you like study one book of the Bible and then you go to competitions for it, which is very much that Protestant, uh, that conservative Protestant thing that you do, where you have to be tested on how well you know the Bible, right? Um, 
But the bright side of that was it really allowed me to explore the Bible in a way that um, I had never done before. And that's one of the things that I really love about different church is it allows, it allows me to view the teachings of Scripture in a different way than what I have before. Now, when I was thinking about what on earth am I going to talk about today, especially since I didn't expect Hannah to say yes, you know, um, I, I first went to the story of Jonah because, like, if anybody knows me, I love anything that comes out of the ocean. Um, and, but but it, we just got done talking about Jonah for the last four weeks, and anything that I had planned was not going to be nearly as good. Um, and as much as I really love deconstructing the different uh, sections of Scripture um, in the Bible, I just didn't feel like I was a good person to do that because I don't have a ministry degree. I don't have a degree in theology. What I do have a degree in is clinical social work. So... <laughs> So, so for those of you who don't know, I'm a clinician down at um, Suncoast Center, just a couple of miles down, um, down Central, um, and I see anyone from four years old with nonverbal autism all the way up to 65 struggling with depression, anxiety, different things like that. Now, what's difficult is being able to practice coping skills for anxiety when you're up here in front of a ton of people. Um, <laughs> um, so, so the reason why I share this information is because just like with Hannah, she teaches these things from a certain perspective. She comes from um, Pentecostal tradition um, and has been thrown all of these inaccurate and hurtful teachings from the Bible. I mean, I think that's great. That's information that I, like, I need to know those things because I don't know any better. Now, I, sh I share all of that in addition to, that's, that's what I want my focus on to be today, is how does my perspective influence how I view the Bible? And... Um, when I was thinking about what I was going to talk about, I kept on going back to um, this devotional that my mom wrote. Um, my mom, like my mom's a pastor's kid, um, and she grew up just like I'm sure many of you who've been in church before during um, during the Christmas season. You would light the Advent candles, right? Um, each Sunday, you would light a different candle until you get up to Christmas. And each candle had a specific teaching to it. Well, we did that growing up until I was maybe seven or eight or something like that. Um, and my mom decided to write her own devotional, um, which was called The Names of Jesus. And there's one specific name that I want to that I want to focus on today. Um, and it comes from Isaiah 9, verses 6. And it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So I want to focus on that name of Jesus, Wonderful Counselor. Um, and the way I want to do that today is I want to do like an overview of five different stories that really describe the character of Jesus 
as it relates to being a good counselor. Okay. Um, so Tiffany, you can go on, go to the next one. Um, so the first one that I want to focus on is the woman at the well. Oh, okay. Disclaimer, I'm going to go over these really fast and it's definitely going to be a, a summarization, an overview. Um, but I put the, um, where you can find them in, in the Bible, because I would love for you guys to go and read them explicitly, um, especially the ones that are from the book of John. For those of you who have not gone through the book of John, it's a really wonderful gospel that um, has a lot of really great poetic dialogue um, from Jesus' teachings. Um, so the first one I want to talk about is the woman at the well. And I'm going to go over this really quick because for those of you watching on YouTube, you can go back about five months and the woman at the well actually showed up to church. Um, <laughs> um, Jared, you should totally put a description in or a link in the description below. I'm not, I'm not a YouTuber, but I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> I'll go a step further. If you like what you're hearing, hit the bell notification, subscribe here. Um, but no, seriously, okay, the woman at the well. So the woman was, uh, was a Samaritan, um, and Jesus was a Jew. Um, Samaritans and Jews don't go together, at least they didn't back then. Um, and what Jesus did was he approached her, and she was like, like, what are, you, what are you doing? You're not, like, you shouldn't be talking to me. Um, in addition to that, she had, like, a history, um, specifically with marriage and with men, that wasn't exactly acceptable for the time. Um, but Jesus went up to her and treated her like a human being, regardless of her actions, regardless of her race, and that just shows me that Jesus views himself as an equal to her, no matter what her background was. And Jesus views himself as no better than any other human being on earth. Story number two. The woman caught in adultery. Again, this is another one from John. Um, and... Uh, just to give a, a quick description of what happens is these, these men bring uh, this woman to Jesus and was like, hey, Jesus, this, this woman did this. I want you to throw the first stone. And it's like, oh, goodness, it got, it got serious real quick. Um, and, I'm just, and Jesus just goes, okay, what do you want me to do about it? And he's like, well, I mean, she's a woman, and she did this. And he's like, have you sinned before? Yeah, but, but Jesus, have you sinned before? And slowly, one by one, those men who brought this woman to Jesus start going away until it's just the woman and Jesus left. This tells me that Jesus is non judgmental. And there, there, are, there are a couple of other stories that kind of speak to this, too. And all these stories that I'm talking about today, it's not an exhaustive list. There, there are so many other stories, but these were the ones that 
I wanted to talk about today. Um, but just to reiterate, that, like this woman, she, like, she knew she had made a decision that wasn't the best. But Jesus really didn't care. Again, he treated her like a human being and put her on her way. Number three, this is the only story that is not from the Gospel of John, um, but it is a story that can sometimes be overlooked. Um, I, I remember when I was uh, in my so, uh, one of my social work classes in, um, in college, and we were doing like kind of a personal bias um, pretest, and one of them was, um, do you think it's okay to uh, damage physical property if it meant that it was important for social justice? And my professor pointed out this story. If you think about what would Jesus do, well, Jesus overturned the tables in the temple. But what was the reason for that? It was because Jesus saw what was happening to his place of worship. There were people that were being discriminated based on their socioeconomic status and were being denied the kingdom of God. This story communicates to me that Jesus is an advocate. He advocates for his kingdom. He advocates for all of us humans. Story number three, Nicodemus, okay? The, the story of Nicodemus is really interesting to me. Um, and if you notice the, um, the, the, the verses that, this, come, that uh, this story comes from, this is where um, we have John 3.16, right? Um, and so the story of uh, Nicodemus... Um, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, okay? He was a, a religious and political leader at the time. And if, if you guys know anything about the Pharisees, they would, all, they would oftentimes push against Jesus and, and his teachings because they were doing what was traditional and what was known to them. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and is like, you know, Jesus, I, I believe in you because of, your, because of all, all these miracles that you've done. And Jesus challenges him. He's like, yes, you, you, you believe in me, but what does that mean for you? This is, this is a story where it talks to be born again. And I'm not going to talk about like theological con context about that um, because there are plenty of people in this congregation that can do it better than me. Um, but what Jesus did, at least in my perspective, is he challenges Nicodemus, in terms of what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Story number five. This story is where Jesus is talking about what, how do you get to the kingdom of heaven? And he was trying to explain this to people, but before he was even able to explain it to them, there are a lot of people that just left. And the people that stuck around, 
He gave them understanding, perspective, and teaching on what he was trying to say. And if we think about, if we think about what these people understood to be the correct teaching, Jesus flipped it on their head. There's a, there's a, there's a passage inside it, and I don't like, I don't like to be the person that takes one verse out of something without context, but. There was one thing that really stuck out to me when I was looking through, through Scripture. In that section, towards the end, he says, human effort means nothing. And up until then, you had to do all of these things to make it to the kingdom of God. Those are the five. Let's go to arcade. No. No. Um, Why why is any of this significant? Okay. Um, I share this information because, like, when you think of a good counselor, you think of somebody who asks good questions, um, somebody who's a good listener, um, somebody who's knowledgeable about different things. Okay. But, and a lot of us know that already. But what Jesus did in these five stories are qualities of a counselor that goes deeper than that. Somebody who's going to advocate for you, especially when nobody else will. Somebody who helps you understand and tries to understand I've got more time, by the way. (laughs) That was just a joke. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Obviously, that one did not land. (laughs) I'll, I'll prompt you when to come up. A therapist is an advocate for you. Somebody who challenges you, someone who's non-judgmental, and somebody who doesn't view you as any less of a person, views you as an equal, because each individual has inherent value. So I was asking myself, what is that the underlying motive? for Jesus with all of this, with all the things that he did throughout the Bible. What I kept on coming down to was, it was love. Love for humans, love for human beings. It was, I'm going to use this theological word, agape love. Okay, I'm not going to talk about really what that is, but, it's, uh, but to me, the understanding of that is unconditional love. Now, these are just five stories, but there are plenty of other stories where Jesus went and treated individuals that were dehumanized by society, like those who had leprosy, those who had physical ailments. Um, And I could have used all of those as examples as well. But love was always at the center of it. When I was growing up, um, those WWJD Bracelets were a big thing, right, in the 90s and 20, and uh, 2000s. And 
Those are all great, but what exactly does that mean? What would Jesus do? If you ask me, Jesus would love. And what I want to talk about real quick is what does the Bible say about love? Like, what, what is the Bible's definition of love? And I came to that very cliche verse in Corinthians 13, 4, verse 7 is, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And I feel like Jesus really embodied that. And I think that's one of the reasons why he is such a wonderful counselor. Now, what do we do with that love? Right? Well, the Bible actually talks about that too. Um, and again, this is a cliche verse, but uh, in Matthew 22, 37, verse 40, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all, the, all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. They're not called to judge. They're not called to treat individuals as if they are lesser than you, no matter what their background, no matter what their physical ailments are. In a way, Jesus coming down to earth from heaven was almost Jesus' way of being able to empathize with other humans. By him becoming human, he's able to get the human experience. And by being able to, to empathize, as opposed to sympathize, where you're looking at somebody who's in a deep hole, giving them instructions on how to get out, empathizing with people is getting into that hole with them and getting out together. I can think of one person besides Jesus that really embodied this. Go ahead, Tiffany. Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers, he was, okay, he was a cinematic genius, okay? He broke the fourth wall before anybody else did, okay? Um, and instead of taking all of like all these cartoons that were just one thing after the next, after the next, after the next, he slowed it down and used silence with children where there was nothing going on. I mean, in my field right now, we have all of these kids who are diagnosed with ADHD, and a big part of that is technology. Because if their brains aren't being stimulated, they're going to constantly be moving until they, uh, so that they get other stimulation as well. Now, Mr. Rogers was ahead of his time. He saw what children needed. He, they needed comfort. They needed understanding. They needed somebody who was non-judgmental. 
Somebody who viewed himself as an equal to them, even though he was like 50 years older than them. He also pushed the boundaries of societal norms. He started the, the show in the 1960s, and like that's when the civil rights movement was going around. And he hired somebody on the show by the name of Officer Clemens. He was a black police officer, which, you, like, and when Officer Clemens was interviewed, he said, the police are so, supposed to be the bad people. But he's, he agreed to it as long as it didn't get in the way of his singing career. Years later, he came out as gay. And there was a very special moment in um, one of his episodes in the 90s where, and this was, this was always Mr. Mr. Rogers, um, his phrase that he said every, every episode to the people watching, but also the people that would attend his show. And he said, I like you as you are. And the person who plays Officer Clemens said, it was that moment where Fred Rogers became my surrogate father. What's even crazier is he was an ordained minister in the Presbyterian church. So him doing all of this, regardless of how, it how he was treated by other people, like there were protesters outside of his funeral talking about how his actions were not right because he chose to love everybody. So as I was pre preparing for this, I kept on feeling drawn to watching the documentary about Fred Rogers. And I think everybody should watch it. it, is, it it's a phenomenal documentary. One of the people that worked really close to them, close to Mr. Rogers, said this. If you don't believe everybody has inherent value, you might as well go against the fundamental notion of Christianity, that you are the beloved son or daughter of God. And when Mr. Rogers always said that you are special to the people watching, what he meant by that was you are endowed by your creator with good. And I think all of these things that I've talked about today is why different church exists and needs to continue to exist. It doesn't matter what background you come from. You are welcome here. In a society where you're not always welcome. We have a wonderful pastor that teaches us and helps us deconstruct stories in the Bible that have been made to persecute other people, which, is which was never the reason why the Bible 
was created. When I come to this church on Sundays, I, I'm a therapist. I sit down and observe. I people watch all the time. Okay? Um, and I see friends sitting together, friends that, friendships that wouldn't exist if different churches didn't exist. I see people loving and caring for each other. I see the awesome band mates just having an awesome time on stage. Like Will and Natalie just playing off each other. That's awesome. And the phrase that Hannah uses a lot is holding space. Holding space to just be. That's something that Jesus did. That's something that Fred Rogers did. And that's something that Hannah has done to provide a place of safety in a world that isn't always safe. Now, let me check on time. Because I have a tendency to just kind of ramble and just go. Um, there's something that... Uh, that Mr. Rogers did, because um, he did a number of commen commencement speech speeches. Um, and I would love to do an exercise that he did um, at one of his final ones. And it goes like this. We're going to take one minute, and I want each and every one of you to think about someone who helped you. You can close your eyes and keep them open. doesn't matter. This person could be somebody close to you. could be somebody here. could be somebody that's far away. could be somebody that's deceased. This is a person that has always cared for you beyond measure and has encouraged you to be the best within you. Not to be the best ever, but be the best within you. I think that is super important. And think about how that person made you feel. Yeah, out in the band, you guys can go ahead and come back up. I want to leave you guys with a couple of things. One of, um, one of Fred Rogers' um, quotes that he kind of lived by. I mean, love was what he lived by. He had the number one, four, three all over um, his soundstage. Um, and that number to him meant love. I love you. And he said, love is at the root of everything, all learning, all parenting, all relationships. Love or the lack of it. Now, what I hope you guys gained today was some characteristics, if you've been thinking about going to therapy, some characteristics that should be in your therapist. Because the unfortunate thing is, not all therapists go into the field for the right reasons. And what I'll say to you is don't sell yourself short. Because if you're going to a therapist that just sees you as another transaction, that in and of itself is dehumanizing. 
and you should drive somebody different. Look for somebody that had the unconditional love like Jesus and Fred Rogers. I can say to myself, to you, I like all of you as you are. One thing, so with me as a therapist, I don't ever give, um, give advice, or at least I try not to give advice because that can overwhelm people. I typically ask questions, provide information, and leave individuals with questions to ponder. So the question that I want to leave with you today is, what is preventing you from being able to love your neighbor? Is that because you were hurt by somebody? Is it trauma that isn't addressed? Is it because you're being overworked and you have nothing else to give? Regardless, I want you to think about that. What is preventing you from being able to love your neighbor? Thank you, guys.